0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful Gratitude Journal for Mothers. Happy Monday, my friends. Before we get into this week's episode, I have two opportunities that I want to make sure you know about. First, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Or do you already have a podcast, but you're frustrated that its reach isn't growing as much as you'd like it to? Well, I'm excited to announce that Podcast University is open for enrollment again now through November 1st. Podcast U is an online school for all things podcasting that I run with my dear friend, the host from the show About Progress, Monica Packer. Monica and I are actually teaching several free podcasting classes this month, both about starting a podcast and growing a podcast. So if you're at all interested in podcasting, I don't want you to miss this. You can go to 3 and 30 podcastcom forward slash podcast podcast you for all the details and i will include the link in the show notes i also want to remind you that we are celebrating the second birthday of three and thirty this month so please join three and thirty listeners from around the country and world in sharing your three takeaways about life or motherhood it is so fun for me to read these and i'm reminded all over again of just how wise this community of mothers is and we are even better when we share with each other. So don't be shy. Share your takeaways with the women in your circle of influence. And you can go to 3 30 podcastcom forward slash birthday for all the details on how to participate. And now on to the show. This is episode 104, How to Move Through Grief Towards Healing. Welcome to 3 and 30 a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. This past week, the world observed National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day, a day when we reach out to parents who've lost babies and mourn with them. As a mother, my heart aches for those who have experienced what must be one of the heaviest, most shattering experiences possible in this life. I'm sending my love to anyone who listens to 3 and 30 who has experienced this pain, and I wanted to honor National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day by dedicating an episode to those mothers who walk through life with a piece of their heart and soul missing. I hope that today's episode might offer some comfort on the path you're walking towards healing. Today's guest is Anna Packard, a mother of four who lost her infant son, Charlie, when he was four months old. She also has a PhD in clinical psychology and is a therapist at Balance Health and Healing, so she has both personal and professional experience in moving through grief towards joy after immense loss. It's an honor to have her here to teach us today. Anna, welcome to 3 and 30.
1: Thanks for having me, Rachel. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm so grateful that you're willing to share some of your story with us, as well as the tools that that you teach in your therapy practice. I feel like you have a really unique perspective both where you've where you've been both the therapist and the one who is experiencing the grief herself, and I know it's going to bless many mothers who are listening to the episode.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, a Beautiful irony <laughs> that, that, that that's my experience.
0: Yes. And we talked a little bit before the episode started that these tools are They really apply generally to all loss and grief and hard things we go through in life. But the episode really, this episode really is aimed towards and dedicated to mothers who may be experiencing intense grief right now. And they may feel like there is no way through this. Um, Anna has three takeaways and tools for you. So, Anna, could you start by just telling us a little bit about Charlie and your experience losing him?
1: Yeah, I I love talking about Charlie. Um, so first of all, thank you again for this opportunity. So Charlie is our second child of four. When we had Charlie, I felt at that point emotionally ready to be a mom. With my first, I wasn't quite emotionally ready. Mm. So when Charlie came along, I enjoyed him in a way I wasn't able to with my first. I mean, love equally, but uh, I just... Immediately bonded with Charlie, and uh, which was really a blessing because he was also a really hard baby. He was colicky for the first three months of his life. Mm. Um, And again, in retrospect, I feel really grateful for that because I spent so many hours just holding him and being with him and soothing him and up all night with him. And then when he turned three months, he turned a corner and he was the most pleasant wonderful little baby for the last month of his life. And then when he turned four months old, we had this family vacation plan to Hawaii. And we flew out to Hawaii. And the second day that we were there, we put Charlie down for a nap and he died while he was sleeping. Mm. Um, And uh, the autopsy report concluded that it was SIDS. uh, So in other words, there was, it came back completely normal. There was no conclusion of why he died. So it was ruled as sudden infant death syndrome. So that was seven years ago. He'd be seven years old if he was still with us. Um, And since then, we've had two more kids. And that was, uh, had its own traumas in of itself, getting those kids here. But yeah, so
0: and I'm sure mothering is never the same after you lose a baby and, and being pregnant and and going through infancy with those two children after Charlie must have been its own struggle. Just not having fear every single day, every single oh. time you laid them down for a nap.
1: Abs- absolutely. Those uh, with our subsequent kiddos, those first two year the first years of their lives was i'm i'm pretty crazy <laughs> and it's uh yeah. i mean even after it doesn't completely go away but it's definitely quite a drain on mm. our relationship and on me during those first years
0: I bet. So what what tools did you use as you were going through those years right after you lost Charlie? And and I'm sure even still today, it's not like you ever get over a loss like this. I'm sure you're still using many of these tools. Um, can you just lead into our three takeaways?
1: Yeah, would love to. So um, this first takeaway is something I actually talk a lot about um, in therapy with clients and it's uh, much easier for me to talk about it from the therapist chair than apply it. <laughs> but it's a, mm. it is definitely, I think, perhaps one of the most helpful tools I used. So the first takeaway is the only way out is through. Um, when, when we lost Charlie, someone gave me a book called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss by Jerry Sitzer. And it's a great book for anyone that's lost a child or a family member. One of my favorite quotes in that book is, uh, he writes, the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. So psychologically speaking, when we experience painful emotions, reflexively, we want to pull away from it. Uh, So like if you put your hand on a hot stove, we all know we have built-in reflexes that will pull away. Um, And internally, that's our reflex too, is we don't want to experience things that are really painful. Unfortunately, we can't escape ourselves. (laughs) So we, we all go through a lot of strategies to try to avoid painful emotions or push them down or numb them out. But what I talk about a lot with clients is what we resist persists. Um, So I I talk about how when we push away painful emotions, they don't just disappear. In fact, they go downstairs and they start lifting weights. Um, Mm. So they get stronger and they show up in places that you don't want to. And we actually just compound our suffering when we don't allow ourselves to experience painful emotions and we prolong our suffering. So I knew that. And when, um, I mean, feeling something as big as grief, it feels really overwhelming. But I knew that if I wanted to get through this, I needed to go through it.
0: Yes. And you know, one... metaphor that's helped me in grief is thinking about being in the ocean um, and a big wave is coming and if you resist and if you stand there and <laughs> kind of like resist the wave it will like completely pummel you and but if you dive into the wave yes Um You it's it's easier. And I've thought about that with those big emotions that are washing me over me like a wave where I'm like, no, you will not. And I'm trying to resist it. It takes me out more than if I just dive into it and kind of embrace it. But from an emotional standpoint, how do you do that? Because I've heard this advice to allow yourself to feel it. But I'm like, what do I do? Do I just lay on my bed and say, like, (laughs) okay, okay. Come, here, here come and get me, like I can. I'm gonna feel you now. Like, how do you allow yourself to feel the emotions?
1: That's a really good question, uh, and I have some pointers for that because I agree it's a very ephemeral concept of what do I do with this. So, um, one of the things I I believe in and I talk a lot about is this concept of willingness. Um, so I'm really, it's self-explanatory. Willingness is exactly what it sounds like. It's willingness to experience it. But I want to be really clear that willingness is not a, not several other things. It's not wanting it. It's not liking it. And it's not setting agendas around it. So you don't have to want to feel this. You don't have to like it. Um, and, but you're stepping up and allowing Um, this process to happen to you. So I talk about how emotions by their definition are designed to be felt. And as they are felt, they move through us. And it's when we don't allow them to move through us that (laughs) we get emotionally constipated, right? And that causes its own pain. Um, So when we set the intention that I am going to do the work that grief asks me to do, And however that shows up. So part of it is as you go through grief, you're going to see how it shows up and what it asks you to do. Um, But we certainly can't set boundaries on it. Like you can't pretend, I will allow myself to only feel grief when I'm driving alone in my car. Um, Mm. Or I will only feel grief at night as I'm going to bed. All of us that have gone through grief knows that it shows up whenever it wants. (laughs) Mm. Um, So allowing yourself to welcome it and break down. So I have this, it's not really embarrassing, but it was really telling. Um, I a month after Charlie died, I went, I needed to get out of here. And I went and visited my brother in Florida. And I took my two and a half year old with me. And then on the way home, um, I missed a connection in Denver. And they rerouted me through Phoenix to get back home to Salt Lake. And when I got to Phoenix that flight was delayed <laughs> and oh gosh. just traveling in general is stressful traveling with a two and a half year old is stressful but then traveling like just in the rawness of grief you feel incredibly emotionally sunburned like anything is going to set you off and so when I found out it was delayed I'm in one of the most busy airports in the nation and I just sat down in front of one of those um, like bookstore slash kiosks where you get water and books and magazines and I pulled my daughter onto my lap, and I had the most ugly cry—like loud, sobbing, ugly cry—in this really crowded mm-hmm. airport. And there was nothing I could do; like grief just demanded that of me in that mm-hmm. moment.
0: And and how did people react to that?
1: <laughs> I I don't. Did remember- anybody? St- did
0: anybody I, comfort you or no, not? And would you no, have even I'm, wanted to be comforted? You I, probably wouldn't have wanted to be.
1: Well, I'm sure I am sure I got a lot of looks, but I wasn't making eye contact with anyone. I just kind of buried my face in my daughter's hair and, and just allowed myself to cry. Um, so I don't know yeah. how people reacted, but I'm sure I was quite visible.
0: Mm, but that's okay. And you yeah. have to give yourself grace for those breakdowns and allow them to happen.
1: Yeah and so that willingness right that i that is what showed up and sometimes grief just demands it you can't there is no willingness you just feel it cuz it shows up but other times it's it's walking away and giving yourself space to feel it or allowing yourself to cry with a friend another thing i think is setting realistic expectations for yourself um Grief is really long work. I mean, you said in the intro, it's not something I'd say I'm over. I mm. am completely in a different space than I was seven years ago. but um, it still shows up. It, and it'll show up unexpectedly still. Um, it certainly isn't as loud and large as it used to be, but it will grief work is long, because my love for Charlie is deep. So of course it's gonna be long. And so that willingness is really setting the expectation of you don't know in six months if you're gonna feel significantly better. You may not, you may, Um, but just allowing whatever that process looks like. Um, And and along the way, making sure you're practicing self-care. We talk about this a lot in therapy. It's kind of a in vogue word right now is self-care. I like to be kind of specific about what I mean by self-care. Um, yeah. so looking for support, either that's through having friends and family that are willing to support you, either sit with you, um, having you find out what you need in the grief process. Like, do you need people to be with you or do you need them to take your kids so you can be alone, mm-hmm. right? And just have that space. I found for me to be incredibly helpful to find people who knew what I was going through. So There is this beautiful, huge community of moms who have lost through miscarriage, Mm. stillbirth and um, SIDS. And I found them online and they and in person, too. And they were my lifesavers through this where I could just show up and be whatever I was because they completely got it.
0: Yeah. And how if someone's listening, how would they find those resources?
1: I'd be happy to give you some of those that you could include in the show notes if you yes, want to.
0: I would love to, yeah.
1: Um, but I honestly uh, found them on Facebook,
0: <laughs> so you just you just searched the you put in search terms.
1: Yeah, well, Share is a big. I think it's nationwide, but there's a Share chapter in Utah, and that's um, specifically for parents that lose uh, children through miscarriage, stillbirth, or early infant death. Um, mm. And they were my people, and they had in-person support groups as well as they have their online support group. Um, mm. And then I also there weren't any SIDS Utah SIDS parents group, so I started one. And oh wow! And now there's 40 of us on this Facebook group. Wow. Um, okay. Well, so, I'm
0: going to put that in the in the show notes for sure.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a a really important piece for people to feel a sense of belonging with people that understand Mm -hmm. um and also can help set expectations themselves i actually remember i found this really depressing but when i hung out initially with some moms that lost um, lost their babies i was just a month in and i remember them telling me it gets worse (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i i was like it can't get worse than this this feels absolutely horrible i'm living in hell and they're like it it gets worse and what was helpful about that is that what they meant by that is come a couple months in, like in the beginning, everyone's there to support you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of family support. And then people start living their life again. But you're still left picking up the ashes of of your life. And so it feels really lonely. Um, and it does feel more painful for a little bit. And then it does get better. <laughs> but yeah. but. And-
0: I imagine that there's also a sense of, it. did it hurt to hear that it would get better, too? Because it feels like I don't want to move on from missing him. Did that also play into what you were feeling as well?
1: Absolutely. I remember one of uh, the first people that reached out to me, she had lost a child 15 years before. And I remember she told me, it's really going to be okay. And Mm. I didn't want to believe her. And I kind of took offense to that because... It's true. I felt in the beginning, I can't, I can't have it be okay because it's absolutely not okay. I don't want to move on from this because this is how I'm carrying Charlie with me. Mm. Um, And it does over time shift and change, and it does begin to feel okay. Mm. Um, But yeah, I didn't want to hear that in the beginning either.
0: Yeah. So, so you didn't want to hear it was going to get worse and you didn't want to hear it was going to get better either.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's why you just have to be in it.
0: Yes. You have to be in it, in the moment that you're in, in the grief that you're in, instead of trying to push to a different phase faster than you're ready.
1: Ex- exactly. Um, one thing that was incredibly painful for me, and I know other moms who have lost children, is the guilt. Um mm. So you'll, I I know on Instagram, I'll see this come up every now and then there'll be memes that are supposed to be really compassionate toward moms. They'll say something along the lines of, um, you know, if your kids survive the day, you're doing okay, mama, (laughs) you know, Um, which is Mm -hmm. a beautiful message. But for those of us who have had kids that don't survive the day, there's a, there's like this, this gut, like, oh, that, that hurts because I did feel like I failed at my most fundamental job is I didn't keep him alive. And I know a lot of moms will feel that too. And I tortured myself for a long time just thinking through everything I did or didn't do, including when I was pregnant with him, that could have led to him dying. Wow. Um, And ultimately, I became aware that that energy, that's not grief, but that was me searching for understanding and control in a situation I couldn't control. And it in some ways felt better for me to try to find a place of blame, even if that blame was me, but that's not productive and that's not accurate um, Mm. because he he did, he just died and there is nothing I can do. And I know there are so many babies and pregnancies that are lost that are not our fault in any way. So what helped me move away from guilt was I had just this really clear thought and experience that Charlie doesn't want me to carry that. Mm. Um, That's not what he wants for me. And I believe that for all of us who have lost children, our babies don't want us to feel that. Yes. Um,
0: So. And so you're saying allow all the emotions, but know that guilt is one that isn't, You have to allow it probably, right? right? Like you will feel it and it's normal to feel it, but it's not worth the energy because it's not real. It's not, there's nothing to feel guilty about. I imagine that there's also a sense of guilt around, did I enjoy him enough? Yes, Did I, yes. you know, that one moment when I was frustrated with him because he wouldn't sleep and, oh, you yes. know, all of that, yes. I'm sure, um, can come up. And it's normal to feel those things. Don't resist them, feel them, but then release them and, and move forward.
1: Yes. Yes. Perfectly said. That does lead into my second takeaway, which is look for beauty, gifts, and meaning along the way so um meaning is something i feel really passionate about and this leads into that concept of willingness when we feel like we have meaning in our trials whatever they are uh, we're more willing to go through them because it feels like there's a purpose in doing so this isn't just suffering for suffering's sake um and so with loss i feel like there is both inherent meaning uh, and that's unique for everyone But there's also meaning that we can create and we can choose. So Mm. for me, um, I, I would choose things. I would choose meaning like, all right, I don't know why Charlie died. I honestly don't know if he was supposed to die. But I am going to have this experience transform me into a better person. I'm going to allow my love for Charlie and my relationship with Charlie to change me into a better person. Um, And so that allowed me to sit with the willingness of, okay, so this transformation is painful. What does grief have to teach me about that? Mm. Um, And there's also meaning about, uh, like this connects me to other people. Um, There's also meaning in grief. I love this idea that grief is your love transformed. Like we have as parents, all this love just there to parent our child. And we don't get to do that. We don't get to parent our child. And so our love is transformed into this grief and that's meaningful. And I honestly felt like feeling my grief was a way for me to honor Charlie and to honor my relationship with him.
0: Yeah. Um, And, and you created meaning by creating a community for women who had lost infants. And that's another way that you created meaning through your experience and a reason why you went through it.
1: Yes. And I feel early on, you can start doing that. Um, uh, When you feel so broken in the beginning, but you can connect and create meaning and also give service. So Early on, I actually, I was holed up in my house because I didn't want to see people, but I started making quilts and I made quilts for other parents that lost children. And I began to find out through other people who had lost children and I'd go and meet them and give them a quilt. And it was a a little selfish because I'm like, oh good, I'm meeting more of my people. Um, But I was also able to provide an act of service that didn't require much of me. And I feel like we all can do things like that, that create meaning for us. Mm, Yes. And then also in that is beauty. So uh, the world looks very different to me now than it did before I lost Charlie. And I, I talk with clients who are depressed and who really feel like they can't touch or experience positive emotion right now, that I totally believe them. That feels really accurate. I mean, that is the definition of depression. (laughs) And then in grief, um, it's really hard to feel positive emotions too, but I feel like we can always see beauty, that beauty is just there and waiting for us. And in some ways, I felt uniquely attuned to see beauty um, because of my grief. I don't know how to describe that, except that that was the experience. Like sunsets become so much more beautiful. Um, mm. And just being able to look for the beauty that happens every day, the moments, It grief really attunes you into learning that life really is made up of moments. Um, so even those moments reflecting on the, that I had with Charlie, the painful ones of being up all night because he's crying, are really beautiful to me now. And also there's just beautiful mundane moments every day that we can tap into that can feel soothing. Yes.
0: And I'm sure all of the superficial stuff of life just fades away and you're more attuned to the beauty of relationships and what actually matters in this world than you were before.
1: Yes. I actually, I miss that. Grief grounds you in a way that uh, nothing in my life ever has been able to again. It just wipes away all the things that don't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the best gifts about grief is it really simplifies and prioritizes your life in really powerful ways.
0: Yeah. And so while you're not grateful that you've had this loss, um, that's a, that's a, bit of meaning that you can find in it is, wow, I am much more in tune to what matters in life because of this loss. So you're, you're creating meaning from the loss by noticing that about yourself, by honoring that and honing it as you move
1: forward. Yes. I always say I'm never, I don't expect that I will ever be able to say I'm grateful my child died, but I am so grateful for who I am now because of it, which I think leads nicely into my last takeaway Mm -hmm. which is uh, you are stronger than you realize. Um, I want to give a a caveat about that. I remember early on in grief, a lot of people would say that you are so strong for what you're going through. And I hated hearing that. That was really painful Um, because you don't feel strong. You feel so broken and you also feel Like, I didn't choose this. I have no choice but to go through this. Um, I'm strong because something horrible happened to me.
0: Like, it's not like I raised my hand and said, I'll do it.
1: Yes. You know? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I do remember the first time, the first moment I had was nine months after Charlie died. I was back at work and it was winter and it was freezing cold and I was walking across campus And I remember taking the hood off my jacket and just feeling this winter storm hit my face and I found myself smiling and I had the thought, I'm doing this. I'm going to be okay. And that feeling didn't last more than a couple hours, but it was the first of many to come. And over time, that feeling became lasted for days and then weeks. And then finally, you really do get to a point where sometimes I surprise myself. I reflect of, wow, I, I did that. I did what some people consider to be the hardest thing anyone can go through. And I did it and I've, and I've come out pretty well, I think, and, and ways that I feel really grateful and strong.
0: Well, and I think it's a real like testament to the resilience of the human spirit. I mean, we all say like, I can't imagine I could never go through that. I could never get through that. And it's like, well, yes, you could, because you wouldn't have a choice. Yes. (laughs) I mean, but there's, but it is true that you choose how you get through it. Yeah, You don't have a choice whether or not you're going to endure something, but you do have some choice in the ways that you are going to get through it. And you can create meaning around it by choosing how you want the story to play
1: out Absolutely. in your life. Absolutely. I love that because I do, I do feel like along the journey, I had choices to make of, am I going to let this make me bitter and resentful or am I going to let this make me a better person?
0: And, and, and more compassionate to yes. other people. I think that's the most beautiful gift of experiencing anything hard in life is the compassion that comes from it.
1: Uh, yes, I, I find um, so much deep compassion for other people that struggle in general, because I've gone through this as well as other parents that have lost kids or have lost loved ones. Um, it's just such a difficult experience to have and just so much love for all those moms out there that are going through it right now. Mm, Absolutely.
0: Anna, this has been a beautiful discussion and I hope that it gives a lot of hope to mothers out there who desperately need it. Um, Do you have any final words of hope for women who may be in a really dark place right now?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, those mamas. I just I just feel a lot of love for you. I just want, first of all, you to all know you're not alone, um, including in this is parents that have lost kiddos. But also, I know there's a lot of moms out there that struggle to get the kiddos they want here. And there's mm-hmm. loss and grief around that too. And I just hope you all know and feel you're not alone. Um, and I, I do... My favorite quote, almost of all time, that I think most people have heard, but I think is really true, is that Elizabeth Kubler Ross quote. You know what I'm the one I'm talking about? Um,
0: no, I don't. Know oh,
1: it. okay. I'm gonna read it for you then.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These people have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life. That fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen, mm. um, and I just, I just hope you know that and can feel that that what you're going through is transforming you um, into a person that you will one day feel grateful to be. Mm. So.
0: That is beautiful. And I love what I loved in there is the word gentleness, that you become a gentler person after you've experienced loss. And I've experienced that with the loss in my life. I am not grateful that those people are gone from my life, um, but I am grateful for who I have become because of the experience of loss. I do think I'm a gentler person than I was before, which is such a gift and a blessing. Thank you so much, Anna, for sharing Charlie with us and for sharing these tools with us. and and bringing hope to some moms who are listening. It was really an honor to have you on.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I really want to thank Anna for coming on the show and sharing such tender remembrances and advice with us. I know her words are going to touch many mothers who need them. And just as a reminder, her three takeaways for moving through grief toward healing are, first, remember the only way out is through. And that means that you have to allow yourself to feel whatever grief demands, as Anna put it. You can't push those hard, painful emotions away. One strategy that I've learned for actually feeling my emotions instead of like fleeing from them is getting really present in my body. I've had counselors teach me when I start to feel a big emotion welling up in me to stop and think, okay, what, like, what am I feeling and where am I feeling it? To actually identify, oh, that is sorrow and I feel it in the pit of my stomach and it is heavy and it aches and it's rising up in my chest and I'm probably going to cry because it's moving towards my eyes and that's okay. So getting grounded in my body and really present with my emotions and what they feel like physically has helped me to process them instead of denying that they're there. The second takeaway is to remember to look for beauty, gifts, and meaning in your loss and in the world around you. Finding little gifts that come from your experience will not make up for your loss by any means. It's it's not an even trade at all, but it will make your loss a bit more meaningful to bear. And I loved Anna's point that even when we can't feel joy or gratitude, we can still recognize beauty. So look around for that, both in nature and in moments with your family. And third and finally and perhaps most importantly remember you are stronger than you realize whatever sorrows and heartaches you're currently carrying you can do this and yes that that is because you don't have a choice but it's also because you're strong and you are brave and you are resilient and you are capable of carrying all of the love that this world has to offer that's what grief is it's love and you can carry that. My friends, if you are currently grieving, please know that my heart is with you in your grief. I am praying for you and thinking of you. And an episode that might help you is episode six, which I recorded shortly after my son's birth mother passed away. And I talk about some scriptural mantras that have really gotten me through some of the darkest times of my life. And if you are not grieving, but you have a friend who may be or who has lost a child, can you please pass this episode along to them? And you may also be interested in listening to an episode from back in the archives, episode 12, how to support a loved one who's grieving. Um, There are so many practical takeaways for what to do and say when someone in your life is going through unthinkable loss. I know that you can be a true support to your friends who need it. As always, I love you, I'm rooting for you, and I hope that you have a beautiful week with your family.